Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the surprisingly delightful present of fuse wire and screwdrivers for Mangum Reads. We are three muggles, none of whom are, to my knowledge, afflicted with spattergoit. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? I elected to try the treatment just in case, because you never know when you're, <laughs> when you're suffering from a condition that you'd never previously heard of before. And I can say this. Didn't work, but it was an interesting evening. I think it's okay. called freckles. <laughs> I, 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 that was Ron's explanation. They seemed to think it was something worse. I was it was probably it was pimples. Like, but I think it, yeah. I, I, I was reading it was like really bad pimples. So we are on chapter, what number chapter are we on? 23. Christmas on the Closed Ward. Christmas on the Closed Ward. And we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap, uh, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. We award house points. And then there are questions and, and queries. Um, we didn't have many last time, so I can't decide if I'm, I'm ready to go for them or have now gotten used to the new normal and would like for you to never ask me another question. (laughs) BJ, pursuant to the plan, we've lulled her into a false sense of security. (laughs) Now is the time to strike. Oh my gosh. It's all paintings. They're all going to be painting questions. (laughs) (laughs) And curses. uh, Sarah, last time around, you kicked much more ass than you expected with the timing of your recap. Uh, Do you feel like you can go within two minutes again? Or do you feel like you can make a bet even more so? But so much less happened. How could you ever... Which means that my recap is so much longer than the last time. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes. Um, I'm Oof, gonna put in. Really? I'm gonna put in a regular bet. Um, I'm just gonna do a 155. I think I can get in under two minutes. We're gonna see. I don't think oh. anybody died, Spencer. <laughs> Sarah, are you ready? I'm just gonna address it. Yeah. Okay. Harry's now convinced that he's the weapon Voldemort didn't have the first time around, that he's possessed by Voldemort who made him attack Mr. Weasley and is listening to his thoughts at all times. Back at Grimold Place, he's convinced he's got to leave the wizarding community entirely to keep everyone around him safe. He's just grabbing his trunk when good old portrait Phineas starts berating him about running away, but actually he's got a message from Dumbledore, stay where you are. The brevity of that message uh, means that Harry gets into a shouting match with a painting. After Phineas leaves, Harry drops into the old corridor dream before being woken by Ron, who ignore who he ignores, feeling very hard done by. The rest of the house is launched into Christmassy preparations, and Harry sulks alone through all of it until Hermione appears, eschewing skiing, to spend the holidays with them. She reports back from Hogwarts and immediately tells Harry to stop feeling all misunderstood. And then Jenny's got the real point. She actually knows what it feels like to be possessed by Voldemort if... Harry'd bothered to ask her. What he's experiencing is, in fact, nothing like being possessed. And suddenly, all is right with the world again. Christmas morning's suitably present-filled, but as um, is somewhat spoiled by Percy being an ass, he's sent his Christmas sweater back without even a note, and Mrs. Weasley temporarily loses it. Hermione's got a present for Creature, which is, they take to him in the den under the boiler. It's littered with Black Family mementos. He's been squirreling away from Sirius's purge, including a pic- picture of Bellatrix Lestrange. But Creature's nowhere to be found and hasn't been seen for days. After lunch, they head to St. Mungo's, where it turns out Arthur's given the healers permission to try out stitches on him. Mrs. Weasley's furious that he's been messing about with muggle remedies, and it also doesn't appear to be working very well. The kids escape to go to the tea room, but find themselves in the spell damage ward, where who has escaped his room but Gilderoy Lockhart, who is signing his autograph on anything he can find, even if he can't quite remember why he's famous. A healer intervenes to return him to the closed ward, ushering Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny in to visit. But they're not the only visitors in the residential area. Neville is there with his grandmother. They're there visiting Neville's parents, who he's simply allowed everyone to believe are dead. In reality, they were tortured to insanity by Death Eaters and now live at St. Mungo's. Harry was the only one who knew that it was Bellatrix Lestrange who had done it to them. Didn't quite make it. Sorry, Sarah. That's all right. Uh, 20441. I'll take off one second there because I wasn't sure when you would stop. It, so it was close to 202. Yeah. Like, 202? Okay. Yeah. Thank you, BJ. Um, yeah. These I am Christmas nothing if chapters. not fair. <laughs> it, it, it was a, short, it, it was a shorter tra- chapter, but those are deceptive because, as you said, there were a lot of characters like moving between locations, which becomes hard to describe concisely. Yes. Um, yeah. And a lot of just like conversations happening about things. So we'll see if we can get it get it back on track the next chapter. Um, BJ, what are you wheezing about? Uh, 
We have a lot of things to wheeze about. Um, I have a rhetorical question to pose for my first wheeze, which is the troll's leg umbrella stand. Do we think it's an actual troll leg or is it in the shape of a troll leg? Because we know how murderous all wizards are and how they don't take kindly to any other species. I feel like it could very well just be a troll leg that has been hollowed out. I think it is a hollowed out troll leg. I think like elephant leg umbrella stands yeah. are a real thing. I think And it's we're that saying band. that the we that well not the Weasleys. This is the, the no, blocks basically the have blocks. a, a uh, elephant foot stamp. Yes. Which which does uh, in fact make sense, yes. Yes, it, this this does track. Um <laughs> I have a uh well, I was gonna say I have a less rhetorical question, but that, that is a future wheeze. The current wheeze that we're at is God rest you, Mary Hippogriffs, is kind of hilarious. Um, I also like that the spelling is appropriate, sort of O-L-D-E English, and kind of wild. Uh, and and that, that is in the uh, text. Yes. Um, we have a couple more multi- uh, semicolon sentences. We have quite a number. Uh, a lot of them are lists, and it's kind of funny. Uh, this is uh, in in that same area. The tarnished chandeliers were no longer hung with cobwebs, but with garlands of holly and gold and silver streamers. Semicolon. Magic snow glittered in heaps over the threadbare carpets. Semicolon. A great Christmas tree, comma obtained by Mundungus and decorated with live fairies. That's problematic, comma, blocked Sirius's family tree from view, semicolon, and even the stuffed elf heads on the wall wore Father Christmas hats and beards. I, there's all sorts of things happening. I, I'm, I am assuming that the live fairy decoration did not make it into the movie. Um, no. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. Yeah, there's something to unpack there. I don't know exactly what to make of live fairy decorations. Are they employed? Are they hourly? Is this something that's just stored in a box till, you know, the next year where they're needed? What the hell is that? It's kind of like a lepidary, but they don't actually die when you stick the pin through them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure, yeah, that works. Or, or do you think, like, the little string that, that, that you normally hang ornaments with is basically just a noose? Like, I don't know where we're going here. Oh, boy. BJ... My mind went in all kinds of ways when I read the phrase decorated with live fairies. You've so far not even gotten close to as bad as I was going. Interesting. So, yeah, there's room for us to explore there, and most of it is bad. Um, nice. I mean, you could go with the nicest possible one, and the live fairies did the decorating. There you go. Sure. That's the yeah. one I'm going to choose. We know that's not the, what happened, but it is a choice we can make. <laughs> Indeed. So, Sarah. Yes. Mm. There's a sentence... Harry flicked through the first volume eagerly, semicolon, he could see it was going to be highly useful in his plans for the D period A period. Space, mm-hmm. I assume new sentence. So my question is, when you end a sentence with an acronym, mm-hmm. what, what, what's the dot situation? It's one dot. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen the other, but... Two dots? Well, having a period after the acronym, because it's D period, A period, and then there isn't a, I guess there isn't a separate period for the sentence, it just ends there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if you, it's exactly the same if you ended a sentence with etc., right? You wouldn't put another period after it's ETC period. That's fair. If you've already ended the sentence with something that ends with a period, that period stands in. Except for ellipses. Except for ellipses. Um... And that period doesn't th- go where you think it's going to go. <laughs> this feels like this feels like how English rules were heavily built around what the cost of ink and typesetting was. That you know we're mm-hmm. not going to put an extra punctuation yes. mark there. That is tedious and expensive. Yes. <laughs> and well, while we're so- on the subject, everybody stop using two spaces after periods. No. <laughs> Spencer, have you typed things on a typewriter? I have. Interesting. But, but, my dad's law office. I was that was how we did uh, stock certificates when we were forming corporations. Well, we're not at the questions portion of this podcast, so <laughs> we, we have back. to leave that alone for now. <laughs> um, the the only other well, I guess it, it's a wheeze ish, but it's a little bit more of 
a newbie's note. So I'm going to have it as the segue because it is basically the first thing that happens in this chapter. Mm. We so rarely get Harry's internal monologue that I couldn't remember if it was usually in italics or not. And Mm. we had a whole lot of it. Um, And it's interesting. The italics felt like a new way of depicting it. I don't remember italics previously being the standard way of now we're inside Harry's head. But I also will say that I don't think he's had this many thoughts in a row before. No, I... I, Possibly not. (laughs) Not that we've had depicted on the page. very funny. I'm going to focus on that way of interpreting what you just said. But yeah, we're transitioning to to newbie's notes. Yeah, I really do like the opening because it very effectively conveys by means of how we just type set out that Harry is spiraling. That Mm -hmm. this is a guy that in the absence of an alternative explanation has immediately defaulted to the worst options possible and is finding a way to dig deeper from there. To the point that he reaches a stage of just, I think a certain element of like depressive spiral is often kind of reached that point of just immediate finding a means of self-sacrifice to moving yourself from the equation like in a heroic narrative associated with it of where he decides that he's going to go to his version of hell so that everybody else is happier <laughs> he's going back home to pre- drive for the holidays i mean and to be fair if he's gonna hurt somebody around him that's probably his best option in his mind uh, which I, I absolutely positively adore that every other location he was at he was thinking about oh well, i can't go there i might hurt someone oh i can't go there i might <laughs> hurt somebody wait i'll go to privet drive then everyone will be fine. <laughs> no other thought there, but, oh, yeah, I might blow up my end again. But, you know, we're great. Uh, PJ, I'm going to give you kudos. You were 100% correct about Harry leaving Hedwig behind and giving two shits about it. <laughs> In the text, on the page, like, oh, wait, Hedwig's not here. Oh, great, one less thing to carry. Yep. It's his only thought. It's the o- his only thought process for his immediate loyal companion throughout the entire damn story is, all right, one, one less shit I got to haul. Uh, I enjoyed Harry's conversation with the former headmaster from House Slytherin, uh, in the sense that I enjoyed that the headmaster is very begrudgingly actually trying to school him, in yeah. all kind of meaning of the word, but he is actually trying to reach him to a point of, here's an alternative explanation that you're not really thinking about right now, let's assess this from someone else's perspective. I will accept his point that Dumbledore is always right, and still be equally frustrated in the means that he goes about that. I share Harry's frustration here. It's been, this is very much threatening to set up another Diggory situation again, which we all kind of were on, we were discussing previously, was seemingly a bit of a fuck-up on Dumbledore's part in terms of just leaving that out there for, with no other explanation. Everyone else could just insert their own worst conclusions in the gap and leave Harry out on a branch because of it. And I I just feel the need to point out that just because that the, the logic of his methods work, therefore you shouldn't question them is an inherent falsehood because just because the ultimate solution is achieved just because the ultimate outcome is reached doesn't mean there wasn't another way of doing it and perhaps not and perhaps a better one that wouldn't always consistently leave harry on the verge of an emotional breakdown but i love that that is a very sort of like slytherin take to have too right this sort of like don't question your betters don't question your betters um, and in, you know, ends justify the means sort of, sort of thing. Like that's all very, that's all very Slytherin. But, uh, but same thing, same thing for the Slytherin explanation we got about, well, we uh, got as well as that, oh, running away, discretion is the greater part of value. The ultimate act of bravery is saving oneself. <laughs> so I, it is, but also can you imagine a more effective speech from somebody Harry doesn't know yes. to make him stay? Like this yeah. was the perfect it, it thing to say. Exactly. Yes. I mean, as we've seen with how other people interact with Harry, a certain measure of browbeating is required to stimulate mm-hmm. action. And also just like, I don't think you can handle it. Nope, you should definitely save yourself. Like, I, I endorse your cowardly efforts. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know what you're doing right now? Proper Slytherin territory. That's the kind <laughs> of reverse psychology that I like to say. Uh, I also am... Sarah, you mentioned the repeat of the Black Door dream, which has still made no more sense to me other than the descriptions of something he wanted with all his heart, a prize beyond his dreams. I now have four different interlocking bits of cloth on the wall now going to that (laughs) pen. Perhaps I will eventually be able to change colors on them and they start to make sense. Uh, Sirius being the only upbeat upbeat main character in the entire chapter is a hell of a mood shift. But everyone else, other than one particularly... Very sunny nurse that's at uh, Mungo's. We'll get to her in a minute. Uh, Sirius is just at 
Cloud Nine. He's got friends. He's got guests. He's throwing festivities. The man's singing old uh, uh, old carols. This is a great day for Sirius in a way that it isn't for anyone else that we meet. I mean, I think it would have been mostly fine if Weatherby wasn't so difficult. I mean, he clearly has just shifted towards, like, peacoats and blazers. And, like, his mom should understand that, that he just doesn't want us... This was a stylistic decision we're going with? Of course. Like, he, 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 he is a serious person in the ministry. He can't have... Handmade, hopefully with the best of intentions, but maybe with not the best of skill sweaters that as part of his wardrobe. Uh, also, Peacoat, no, no, so he is wearing a proper bowler and three-piece. He is copying the <laughs> at this point. That feels right. I mean, I, I, I think that w- that would be very much right if he was actually within the UK government, but for the Wizarding World... We know at least about the bowler and the other other dress here. I'm assuming that we haven't seen Weatherby in quite some time to the point that I actually occasionally forget that that's not really his name. Um, (laughs) My campaign is working. I'm going to get to that in a moment here. Uh, Dumbledore specifically keeping Hermione in the loop but not Harry is wonderful and always amuses (laughs) me. It's like... Hermione, I need to talk to you about what's going on here so that you can be directly involved and, you know, completely informed. Harry, you know, you can go Mm. talk to him. I'm going to send him a little message through a Slytherin and see how that goes. I mean, to be Uh, fair, Harry getting told something means that he's going to say things to people at not on opportune times. But he doesn't know how it works, and neither do we. His assumption about how it works has been wrong. Uh... Okay, I, 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 full credit to Jenny. Damn good point. The, the idea that, oh, right, you are our one data point of possession we have immediately available. Perhaps we should go to you for information. I had totally forgotten about that, too. Just one with you, Harry. That was, a, what was that, book two? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Also, was she possessed by Voldemort? Uh, she was possessed by an avatar of Voldemort as such, a animated memory. It, I, I'm point I'm also reaching, I'm reaching here is the same one you're hitting too, BJ, is that I understand her point. I understand the value of her perspective about perhaps how possession works. There is a lot of false assumption going on into this, is that, oh, you didn't experience my exact scenario for how this occurred? Clearly, possession is off the table. It's like, mm, no, no. I mean, there, there are a lot of other things that, like, he's probably not being possessed and he's just being paranoid, but I also feel like we do... You were possessed by a book, so let's start there anyway. Pretty, yeah, pretty wild swing um, in Harry's mood on this, as you said, one data point as to yeah. whether this is possession or not. Well, I mean, and also a really tough chapter of Ginny's life that we get to revisit. <laughs> okay, actually, that was funny. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> bravo. Uh, but Sarah, like you said, Harry, again... The man has no other information. He has no other authoritative guidance here. He is existing in various cascades going in different directions. One going oh. downhill and one like a salmon going uphill to spawn. Just, that's, he has no means but straight up and down in terms of his, confronting his, his situation emotionally. I will say, though, I do have some sympathy for him uh, in grasping onto anything that would mean that he is not, in fact, being possessed by Voldemort. I'm pretty sure that I would just go with that, too. I have full sympathy for him. My judgment is in terms of no one else telling him what the hell is going on. This is the state we have left him in because he has no viable alternative. Sure. Uh, Yeah, on the same point, Harry ends the chapter with saying, yeah, I'm not a weapon after all. And I'm left saying, Harry, at best, you're not the kind of weapon you assumed you were. And I think even that assumption is going out on a limb. (laughs) We already discussed live fairies in the tree. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to try desperately to adhere to your explanation for what that is, because my mind went in all kinds of slave-related ways that I would prefer it not to have. Uh, In terms of books that I want to exist and desperately want a copy of, practical defensive magic and its use against the dark arts with animated images of how the actual (laughs) spells work and perform is something I want on my shelf. This is like me owning every Star Wars guide back in the day. I want, I would I would stay up late just flipping through copies of that book, just barely even half-conscious, but still adoring it at every second. Spencer, you do know about medieval uh, fight manuals, right? I, I'm very familiar with medieval fight manuals. They were also okay. a form of catnip. I mean, this is basically that, but with gifts. 
that I, 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 if it can't be, you know, illustriously drawn uh, medieval style images predicting each particular, you know, thrust of the sword, I will take gifts of wizards throwing spells at each other. This is, <laughs> I will, I, I will lower myself to that level. Uh, Dobby's gift deserves more credit. That was really sweet and that was really cute. And I appreciate that he sent that as much as somebody else mocks it. Uh, so you already t- mm-hmm. I, I feel like we need to acknowledge it a little bit more because this could be like the, uh, uh, oh, what's that movie? It's basically going to be a melted Harry Potter, a melted living Harry Potter that's probably... Oh, God. No, this portrait isn't alive. I'm refusing to accept that this portrait is alive. Is it because it was done by an elf and they're not people, <laughs> so it doesn't matter? It's minimal amount of magic required for it actually to be animate in this particular form. I think that's the justification we've gone with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also was wondering whether a certain degree it was even seeing a certain element of the possessed Harry, given the image of the dark image with the glowing eyes and everything else. But Oh, we've got a little Dorian Gray situation going on here. That was kind of where my mind kind of went. Only Dobby sees the true Harry. That would track. <laughs> I mean, maybe not the true Harry, but the, uh, I mean. The man behind the man. Do, he, do, hey, man, the man that's got Death Eater experience, he would see the signs. I was going to say that the well, family that he was part of, like, mm-hmm. or that he was indentured to. Putting it lightly, yes. Uh, BJ, as you said, Weatherby continues to suck and nothing else needs to be said about him. <laughs> uh, I find it interesting that Harry and Creature apparently have a bit of a common thread about sleeping in cupboards. Or at least in some form of a cupboard. Uh, one voluntarily, another one is an act of... I don't even know what to make of it, but sure. Uh, I love the description of something as magpie-like. For some reason, that just tickled me at the idea of... It was a beautiful way to describe a creature's collection of items. And then my just childhood amusement at that particular turn of phrase was then sullen when the prized item is a, sil- is, is, is a silver-wrapped picture of Bellatrix Lestrange. Which just reminds me again that Creature is a time bomb at best looking to blow. Do you know about saluting magpies? Saluting magpies? Well, it's unclear what birds require salutes, but there is a a weird saluting subculture of the UK and birds. This is a new one on me. I'll have to look Mm -hmm. this one up later. (laughs) Uh, I am increasingly reminded with Sirius being baffled by the idea that Creature could even theoretically leave the house grounds, that no one knows anything about house elves. Harry is our best informed expert on how elves worked based on very limited exposure and evidence. And that's scary. I mean, the amount that the wizards, that wizards seem to care about the goings on like. of, of anything outside of wizards. Like, it's not great. I mean, muggles, like they have, <laughs> like there's vaguely an elective maybe about muggles that, no one that knows anything teaches. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a, uh, you know, somebody who's a little bit too obsessed with SETI teaching a, uh, you know, what do aliens do on their homeworld elective. I, I would love if Arthur Weasley at least, you know, audit a course for us on the subject of muggle relations and muggle activities because it would be entertaining, if nothing else. The man would yeah. bring a certain element of passion to it that we've never had before. And well, he, it would be like some of those un, those courses that I've had in both under, undergraduate and graduate school where the course was essentially the professor has is under contract to write a book and has done none of the research for said book. So the course is going to be us reading whatever it is they're supposed to be writing on. Oh, God. So Over the, the course other, of the semester. But the really funny part is going to be they're going to be a handful of mudbloods that actually have real world experience and they're going to get really poor marks because it's not what the professor (laughs) taught and they don't believe that that's actually what goes on. Mm -hmm. It's in the category of like a native speaker trying to take a, take a language study course in another country. It's not the actual experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, On that note, uh, Arthur flirting with muggle medicine, which they're viewing in the same context as homeopathy or alternative medicine. Complementary medicine, whatever the hell that means. Did it have it you is, in stitches, Spencer? It had me in stitches, BJ. Yes, it did. Well said. Uh, I have never wanted to spoil something so much as I did telling you about the stitches last chapter. <laughs> I, I, I was laughing my ass off once I did that face. I laughed my ass off when they left camera. We're just hearing Molly Weasley screaming. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, it, from... Perfect fairness to her. 
If someone just described stitches for the first time without any frame of reference or any, you know, acceptance they have a medical purpose, they're gnarly. It I mean, sounds like you let someone sew your skin together. Yes, exactly. That is, in fact, exactly what it is. But let's take a step here. back to what they used to use and have it that much more a wild thing in the world. And my get, I now that I'm thinking about it, I'm betting they they just got the idea from like somebody played violin, and I was like, oh, this would work. <laughs> or tennis. I mean, both seem to be good doctor uh, hobbies. <laughs> I like that some of our earliest efforts at stitching didn't, didn't even use stitches because, like, the old the ancient Romans, like the, you know, the surgeons that would work on the legions, stitches were their problem because the tools, the things they would use to, you know, actually sew somebody up themselves caused an infection and problems, which they realized over time. So they wouldn't even use that. They would use, they're basically the, the ancient equivalent of staples. Mm. And that was viewed as the better alternative. I mean, wasn't there even older ones like with they'd use like curved bone or something like that? Oh, sure. I mean, the, the, people have knitted up wounds through time immemorial. Otherwise, they would have just died. Many of them did anyway. And then there were ones that survived having a hole drilled into their skull. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, ancient Greeks. Uh, way before that, Spencer. Way, way before that, but some of the examples we have confirming people surviving are most established among the ancient Greeks. But I, I've seen people in fucking caves among. Um, Proper with, primeval times. With, scar- with uh, bone regrowth in their skull. It's wild. Did, didn't know that it was like, a, we don't know for sure whether it was actually trepanning in the way that, you know, purposely drilling a hole, but sure, yeah. The body is incredibly resilient when it wishes to be. Uh, so much so that we have treatments for spattergoid, uh, <laughs> addressing the various problems the body offers. Which I wrote down, uh, you bind the liver of a toad tight around your throat, stand stark naked by the full moon in a barrel of eel's eyes, and then unfortunately it w- the, it, we trailed off from there, and I was left midway through a remedy without any means of knowing how to go from there. This is very Shakespearean, though. I am absolutely into this. I was straight up picturing the three witches with, mm-hmm. uh, with, 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 with the cauldron and Macbeth. Uh, Passing in eye between them. <laughs> uh, hmm? Was that, was that actually in Macbeth, or was that just in the Her- Hercules' version of the Fates? Uh, I think it's a Norns thing, but like I don't remember how tied the crossover is between uh, the Bards, Nor- uh, well, which is in the Norns. Well, in other places, that's true, yeah. Uh, Lockhart returns, and I'm glad to see that the core of the man somehow survived intact. It's like, this, what we get to see here is like, oh, he's so diminished, he barely remembers himself, and I'm watching this going, no, that's, that, that's pretty much it. Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't much more than that, really. We we were getting an authentic depiction of the man that was. And you know what? I'm glad to see. It is actually legitimately heartening to me to see that he seems to still just be having a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I mean, he's, he's not miserable. I think he's having a fine time. I mean, he's not out of his element. Mm-hmm. So he might be having a better time. I, he, this is a, he might be. If anything, this has removed added complexity from his life that otherwise wasn't there. Didn't Ignorance it? is bliss. Mm-hmm. Probably won't even affect his writing career. <laughs> it does help that it appears that it, the staff on Mungo's, particularly the lady that's there running this particular ward, are incredibly nice and supportive people. Which, yes, given a long history of abuse of various mental asylums back in the past, I'm glad to see that this at least is not following a similar pathway, mm-hmm. or at least a very different one. Gray, yeah. it's the gray and Greek mythology. You're right? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Every now and then, Greek mythology pops back in from, again, late night reading when I was in 10th, 5th grade or something. Uh, in terms of characters who have the possible worst run, but also come kind of elements of triumphal moments in there, oh, God, Neville. Like, this is every horror story mm-hmm. he ever he was afraid to even ponder in his brain for fear it might make it real. I mean, yes, but also this is the time that this is okay with the people that are there. Except Rob for being an absolute ass. I wouldn't. Not, he could not intentionally. He's an though. Like, idiot. Yeah, he's just being dumb. Ron very, very rarely is malevolent. He's just a moron. And this highlights that. So the question uh, that you have to ask is, is Hermione intelligent or is she just surrounded by people that, that make <laughs> it seem that way? Intelligence this is relative. Maybe a question we never have answered, BJ. <laughs> Because all we know is that she does her homework. She reads some books. Maybe she like has books. We don't, yeah. She might be uh, a TikTok reader. And 
Oh, don't it's, get it's, me started on that. I <laughs> delved into that very briefly last week. and was not happy. We just know that she carries Continue books. Forward. It's an aesthetic. And uses a time turner as cocaine. So... <laughs> we have not much frame of reference to say otherwise, BJ. We have only, t- you know, her immediate friend group as points of comparison. But for Neville, uh, the, I love the run that he goes on here of where he starts just dying inside and kind of retreating back to the Neville that we've seen before, not, able to, not knowing how to directly confront the situation. We see profound acts of love that him pocketing the rapper was just almost a tearjerker. And just in terms of... <laughs> how much he is still trying to maintain a connection, how much he still cares, even though this is clearly painful to him. But that final moment of where he takes the wrapper from his mom, his mom comes out, they get to see her out there in the world, and he takes it and he turns to his friends with just a profound act of defiance. Like, he's just staring at them saying, what? What do you want to say? What can you do to hurt me right now? Bring it. Neville, you have earned my heart many a book ago, but you're finding more ways of doing it. I'm with you, boy. Yep. As for Ron, just someone smack. Harry was wanting to smack Ron. That's a new level right there. Yeah. Also, hit, Neville's grandmother is rough. What, she what is rough, the word they yeah. Used? They, they used a word. Like, I'll pull it up while you're talking. Yeah, she, I mean, she is rough. And it, it to me, it seems like she's actually the con- she's the conduit or catalyst for Neville kind of regressing back to what we've seen before. And we know that he is very scared of his grandmother yeah not quite as scared as he is of of snape but to be fair like she's probably also dealing with some intense trauma and everybody does it differently so like do you falter for it maybe but Uh, it's tough yeah it seems that best that her relationship with neville has been built around a certain element of tough love based on how she you know directs him to interact with his friends in terms of just confronting and being outright open with what for him is the most serious aspect of his trauma. Uh, but the, descript- the, the description I liked is that a formidable-looking old witch wearing a long green dress, a moth-eaten fox fur, and a pointed hat decorated with that unmistakably, with, decorated with unmistakably a stuffed vulture. <laughs> Remind me, wasn't that what Neville saw when he, you know, confronted the Bogart? Yeah, what well, he turned Snape. The, the Bogart turned into Snape. Mm-hmm. And he, when he used the ridiculous spell, That's right. put hit, put Snape in these clothes. That stuffed vulture reminded me of something back yes. in the past. That's a very interesting thing then, because like he obviously then turned a significant corner at some point off screen. Because if that was something laughably ridiculous, basically. So he, no, because Lupin prompted him. To do that, he was like, "Remind me, you have a you live with your grandmother. What yeah. does she wear?" Or okay, he, Lupin said, "Remind remind me, you live with your grandmother." And Neville said, "Yes, but I don't want the Bogart to turn into her either." Okay. In some ways, him making Snape look ridiculous by means of his grandmother with Lupin's prompting is almost a means of trying to you know, confront your fear by making making the aspect of your fear itself ridiculous by yeah. mixing the two together. Mm-hmm. Good on you, Lupin. That's that's actually more clever than I realized now thinking about it. Kill two vultures with one (laughs) hex. With one stuffed stone. Curse. Uh, That's all I got for Newbie's notes. Uh, Sarah, we had a few characters on screen in in some very interesting settings. Winner, I think, a narrow narrow enough list. Loser, I think you got options. We've uh, We've got a lot of options for loser. Let's start with winner because we only have really a couple of options for winner. Uh, did we choose Sirius prematurely last chapter? And this is really his chapter as winner. I mean, he can win two chapters in a row. He can. He got a lot of losses for a number of books. So yeah. um, he got a lot of losses for like 10 years. Let's, let's give yeah. him a couple days. Okay. I Because honestly, he's the only one actually having a good time. This chapter that we actually see on screen. Um, I mean, only a, her, I think Hermione... Is she having like an actively good chapter though? Did, she it depends. It? Sorry, go ahead, Spencer. Do do we think that she was lying on the subject of not actually wanting to go ste- uh, skiing and instead was using that as cover to come back and support her friend? Or did she actually just not want to go skiing and use and just when you know was happy to find an alternative? I mean, I think both are possible. Yeah, I'm not I don't have a good read on that to be honest with you. Um I don't either. I, I mean, but I feel like her being there for her friend, pulling him out of his misery, and I mean, I like, I guess, 
I think she likes spending time with her parents, but would choose to be part of the Order of the Phoenix and yes. be with her friends. That feels right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I still think that, that Sirius won the chapter, but I feel like yeah. how she's doing is... I, yeah, she she's she's doing pretty well. I I think that the differentiator for me is that like it's a little closer to a steady state for her um, mm-hmm. than like a a spike of any sort yeah. necessarily. Um, whereas Sirius is clearly spiking on some Christmas joy here. That's some proper wizard egg dog that was motivating this. In indeed, he uh, he really uh, punched up the mood. Yeah, and some he, re- oh, go ahead. Yeah, similar reason I would mention the uh, the ward nurse apparent as being somebody that was almost rarely in this entire book series legitimately loves her job and seems to enjoy every day. But as yeah. you just noted, Sarah, we're just seeing that she just has a, a dreamy life. That's not necessarily a really great day. Yeah, we, we don't have enough data points for that. Let's say. Yeah. Um, Gilderoy Lockhart, I would put in as an honorable mention though, because he seems to be doing pretty well in all honesty, mm-hmm. but. The nurse did say specifically that he doesn't get a lot of visitors. Nope. And he did wind up with visitors today. Yes. He did He did wind up with visitors. That is a great thing. He seems like he's doing well. And he well. learned, kinda... joined up writing for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I found it oddly heartwarming for a character that was at least a secondary villain. Is doing okay. I know. Yeah. I know. It's, yeah. it's weird how we've turned the corner on him at this point, too. It, it was hard. It was hard to ever take him seriously as a villain, though. He was always such such a ridiculous character. I can't begrudge him that much. Uh, I feel I like don't... if I knew the series a little bit better, he might be Gru, but I don't know the series well enough to know whether that's an appropriate comparison. I can't it, speak to that at all. So, <laughs> I, I, I will note though that it was interesting that I had assumed that the effect the effect of the spell blasting back on him was that he lost his existing memory this chapter implied that no he just has no short-term memory anymore either because he can't remember like how to make it back to mungos if he goes out wandering mm-hmm. so that's in some ways even worse than i thought his condition was mm-hmm. or better i mean having short-term memory of i'm in mungos and anyway and it's terrible because i can't do all the things that i feel like i should be doing i don't know i don't know if it's better or worse mm. um i need to to toss in a Ginny here. Mm. Because not only did we reference a terrible portion of her life, but no one remembers or even really cares. I mean, like, Harry does. Like, it sort of pulls him out of his funk, but he's like, all right, bye. You're mentioning this for a loser, I take it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that is, Moving on to loser. Yeah, that is low-key a sort of... It, it, we, we don't even remember that you... Yeah exist and were in fact the pivotal point of an entire book it's like the opposite of winning is not losing it's indifference yes it is is demonstrative of the fact of how much she has grown as a person though that she is straight up confronting harry on this subject there's no hiding behind the curtain there's no you know faltering under his gaze there is very much a uh they they use the word unabashed to describe it and i hate Mm -hmm. that i was that, that is an appropriate descriptor of this girl has grown up quite a bit under our occasional watchful eye. That, yes, she is being ignored. Yes, people are not confronting the fact that she had an incredibly dramatic moment. Yes, Harry, the crush of her life, maybe still, I haven't really returned to that lately, is just so indifferent to her that he's like, oh, right, I forgot, sorry. Moving on. <laughs> but she is centered in herself in a way that is still commendable. I think that's true. Um, I would say we... At the beginning of this chapter, I would have put Harry up there because he has a real crisis of a beginning of this chapter. And although, but although we have talked about the many reasons why he is, he is probably prematurely celebrating his non-possessedness. He's in a good mood afterwards. Like he thinks he's okay. So I think he has clawed himself out of that position. Um, I think that, that, Mr. Weasley is is a little bit of a conundrum in this and all things. He's just hanging by a thread. Hanging by a thread. Um, although he doesn't seem to necessarily be in a worse position with the stitches than he was in before. Mm, that's, that's really unclear. 
it's it is unclear. It seems to me like they're probably just giving him the kind of transfusions. Yeah, but he but it sounds like he was supposed to be improving or things were supposed to be going at a at a certain clip and mm-hmm. they're not going the right direction. E- that might be so true. So either he's not improving as they expected or he is doing worse than they expected. And he's got Molly yelling at him. <laughs> graphically one of those things as well that i think that their understanding of stitches was broad and not necessarily (laughs) precise and that they knew the idea that there was a needle and thread involved and may it just went to town and that's why they had to move forward the uh, whole blood infusing potion thing i mean it could have also just been like they brought in a a sewing machine or or something like who knows at this point one of those old treadle ones yes It's also an interesting, I think it was Hermione that said, well, I guess the poison must have melted the stitches, is, was an interesting kind of, like, conclusion there, is like, oh god, Mm -hmm. it's still in his system enough that even just putting something um, muggle-related on it is enough to just actively destroy it. It's like, this guy is still in need of constant care. This discussion may have convinced me that it is, in fact, Mr. Weasley. I was not coming in with him as the option for for loser. Um, I think it's worth briefly, I think I'm going to choose Mr. Weasley. It is worth briefly mentioning Mrs. Weasley because of Percy, specifically. Mm. Yeah. Um, That coupled with everything we've gotten with her earlier in this book about her family and kind of where her headspace is. Yeah. Pretty brutal. I f- it's brutal, but I also, I feel like this is one of those steady state things that, like, it is a little bit worse because the present got returned, but, like... Well, and I think it's, it's, the present got returned, but it's also Christmas, and he's not there, yeah. period, yeah. right? So That's there are true. kind of multiple things going on here, and her husband is <laughs> melting stitches with the secretions of his body. Yeah. Um, with, with Weatherby, it's one of those things of where, yeah, the situation is... Does he become a Death is, Eater? Is Weatherby becoming a Death Eater? No, worse. He's becoming a bureaucrat. <laughs> I mean, now, they're not mutually exclusive. Oddly enough, I don't, like, assume that Fudge is a Death Eater. I don't think he has enough active involvement to be one. Yeah. But, like, with respect to Molly and Weatherby, though, it's one of those things of where the situation was what the situation was, and it's unchanged. I just don't think it was real to her yet. That a returned Christmas present is a real slap in the face in a way that I don't think mm. she'd accept it. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was also, like, the interactions that have she's been sort of adjacently aware of between uh, Mr. Weasley and Weatherby has been, like, a, maybe she could ignore them because they didn't happen to her. But, like, the, the article in uh, the paper mm. was, had to have been rough. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, anyway. it's not one of the things too is that it's not super clear. You would think at this point, as someone who is in the ministry, and you would also think that somebody in the family might have, like Mrs. Weasley, might have attempted to tell him. Percy is not at the hospital. Yeah, the rest of the family is at the hospital. Ne- yeah, um, ne- never been, never even asked. Yeah, yeah. So but- I don't. There's a lot going on with the Percy Mrs. Weasley situation. Yeah. Um, what do we think about Neville? That was the other one I wanted to bring up after Mrs. Weasley, Neville, Neville is, because I I think he actually ends up, I don't know. I think that his sort of, I think, A, the defiance that he shows, although it kind of sucks that he feels he needs to show it, because these people are actually his friends and are not, Yeah. <laughs> like, are not going to make fun of him or his parents or the situation or, or whatever. Um, but I think that that takes some sort of guts. And then I also think that, um, I think that it's ultimately better now that he has people who know that he's not completely alone in this situation, right? He had a hard chapter, not a bad chapter. I think that's a good distinction. Yeah. And I don't think it was as bad as he assumed it was going to be, which also makes it better. Like this, this was his worst case scenario. This was his nightmare. Mm -hmm. This was something that he's been dreading having to confront and deal with. I don't even know how long. And it wasn't the end. It didn't kill him. He made it through it. And if anything, he weathered it. So mm-hmm. I, I, there's, I, there's, some, there's something to an aspect triumphal about that. 
And I think that had his grandmother not been there, it would have been so much worse. But, like, it, he doesn't realize that yet. Hmm. Well, because they wouldn't have had all the background information. There wouldn't have been, like, no, you should be proud of your parents. They were ours. Like, th- this this was, like, they were wounded in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. Like, that information was kind of there. Um, I don't remember, yeah. like, how much Harry knew via Dumbledore. I think some, but, like, I didn't... There was a lot more of a, this was, they were powerful wizards that got harmed in the line of duty. And that was very succinctly communicated to his friends. And that he has a very powerful wizard heritage as well. And so I think it will take him some time to, pro- like, if he can ever do it, but to process, like, oh, like, it was a good thing that she was there. Because, like, he didn't just shrink. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like if she hadn't been there saying those things, it would have just been like, my parents are in a terrible state, not they yeah. were injured in the line of duty. Yeah, because the reality is that Harry knew a lot of that because of the Pensieve, because of Sirius. That's right, yeah. Um, because of Mad-Eye, actually. Mm-hmm. But I, it's, I don't remember exactly how much anyone, any of the other kids knew. And I think that the reality is that, like, Afterwards, they would have gone back and talked to the Weasleys, the Weasley parents, and the Weasley parents would have communicated probably what what happened because they were in the order together. Yeah, they they experienced that they knew what happened, but Neville wouldn't have been there for right. that conversation to know that that information had been yeah. communicated. Well, they were in the order; they weren't orers though. Yeah, there's the distinction between order no. of the phoenix and orers. Is, is there not? There, right. there, so there they is, would know they were in the order of the phoenix and and i mean mr weasley was in the ministry okay like, yeah he he knew that's not secret information and mad eye was an or right it, it's it was interesting too bj you just referenced the idea that he comes from a various you know prestigious family both both of the description of his parents as ors helped help that just also how his grandmother carries herself when she's talking about knowing the weasleys mm-hmm. that spoke volumes too about you know what was the exact line here? They're good people, uh, but I don't know them well. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you two are clearly Weasleys. Yes, I know your parents. Not well, of course. <laughs> but fine, fine people. That just screamed upper class talking to lower class right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, who are you going with, Sarah? Then you got options here. I think I. This is going to be for two. They're kind of wildly different reasons, but I'm actually going to co-award the the we Mister and Mrs. Weasley. Mm. I think have together had had the worst of yeah the worst of this so I'm breaking the rules but whatever I'm sure they filed joint taxes we'll we'll, 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 we'll count them as a single individual for this sure yeah uh questions shall we I'm excited uh let's go uh going off taxes to what degree is Mungo's a private or public institution I do we know is it is, is this a charitable institution or is this actually receiving a government stipend? Because So is this more of like a city of London kind of thing or a London um, thing? I am unclear. I'm going to just look real fast and see if I can get sure. an answer. See, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, this feels like a private institution that might have been taken over by the government kind of thing. Yeah. Like this was a, you know, and I guess that's an interesting thing to ponder. Are there religious wizards that is a fascinating topic actually we haven't really seen much in the way of faith i mean but we have christmas i think we have easter i think we have sort of all of the trappings of uh christianity but the reason that i pose this is Mm -hmm. how hilarious would nun and priest wizards be (laughs) would they have like stars on their frocks like what what's the yeah i don't i don't know um, I, think, I think they'd be exploring funny. holy magic. I mean, or, like, do they get weird about people being warlocks and witches? Like, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole of... We're clearly in an England that has, you know, the Church of England, basically, at least. Sure. So, what's going on here? Um, Wizarding Hospital... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm I... Yeah, no, BJ, I'm with you that Mungo's has a lot of the trappings. It feels like a private, well-funded hospital that relies on both benefactors and charitable donations and whatever else, just because it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have a particularly industrial uh, or, you know, governmental feel associated with it in the same way. 
which in some ways, if it is indeed a private hospital that is not beholden to the ministry, I'd almost deem that safer for its patients, because for people like Neville's parents, given the desperate desire of the ministry to kind of, you know, suppress anything associated with Voldemort and Voldemort being back, I'd almost worry about some people in the permanent ward or anything else, or even just certain patients that are coming in with certain kinds of, inju of injuries as the yeah. war starts to get more live, that the ministry would not necessarily have their best interests at heart. It would also be a very funny, uh, like, private institution took over a formerly state hospital. <laughs> that... A formerly Muggle state hospital. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm not seeing clear information on it. It was uh, founded in the 1600s. Um, could go either could way. Could go either way. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it could go. <laughs> so a relatively new a institution. relatively new institution. One of the interesting, so I don't, I don't, I'm not quickly seeing an answer here, but one of the interesting things that we saw in the last chapter but didn't actually comment on is that while St. Mungo's was, is founded to serve the ma magical community, um, they nevertheless will take in muggles if they have been harmed by magical means as we get with the biting doorknobs. Um, two muggles are, yeah. are... And they have to have their memory repairs. I mean, this oh, is yeah. very much like a Men in Black cleanup Absolutely. team kind of deal. Um, so, anyway, uh, no clear answer on it. Um, I feel like at some point we should revisit all of the things that make wizards weird and entertaining, like faith. Um, but... <laughs> But I think that's for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure I, they have their own spin on Muggle Face. Like Jesus, in, I'm sure in the Wizarding World, was clearly a wizard. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know that there are a lot of crossovers that the the magical <laughs> community claims. Yeah. Um, I have two, as you requested, portrait-related questions. Don't give that wide eye look to me. You should have expected this. So the first is, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but are there paintings that give more or less uh, quality to the replica? Like, would a fresco be above an oil painting, which would be above a watercolor? Like, you know, is there is there technique that goes into this? And as an artist yourself, I feel like you should be very significantly invested in how faithful each captures the soul of a wizard. I think... As I, what I appreciate about you, BJ, <laughs> start there. Yeah, go on. Is your commitment to asking the same questions in slightly different forms, <laughs> expecting different answers? The man works with with you know rats and mice. This is part of basic basic, basic experiment. Yeah, you are in fact exactly. putting the scientific method. Like we we have a gradation from paintings to to like pictures to like chocolate frogs and and newspaper articles, but you know there's got to be an upper gradation too. Uh, but a more serious <laughs> question. Um, so we have uh, a lot of the past uh, headmasters of Hogwarts, mm -hmm. and they you know are are a force in the mm -hmm. world. We also have Lockhart with his portraits. And do his portraits retain anything? Or do all of his portraits have the same effect of the spell? And is that something, is it something that, that it, you know, varies? Or is that, I mean, I yeah. guess this could be a spoiler thing. Like, but the death of, of the previous headmasters doesn't seem to have affected how they are in mm -hmm. paintings. But how Lockhart is does seem to have affected his portraits. Well, do we only see, I sort of skimmed over this part, do we only see his pictures that he's autographing? Yeah, so we never it, see his actual, we know that he has a ton true. of actual portraits. About, so I think, yeah. I think they're kind of glossing over this point by not having the actual that portraits would be wild. there. Because I, I think my suspicion would be that his portraits are not affected yeah i mean that would be my suspicion yeah. too and would be very interesting kind of like you know it captures a point in time mm -hmm. and like the a little bit of the soul yeah. shall we say of of the the person at that point in time and so it'd be a fascinating thing to have your own portrait as you mm -hmm. age because it'd be it'd be a very weird Dorian Gray, like reverse Dorian yeah. Gray situation, because like you see, 
you see the 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 main the the person failing and the portrait mm-hmm. doesn't and um yeah it is interesting because like i am sh- i am sure that there are portraits of dumbledore that yeah. exist in the world but he very notably does not have one in the headmaster's office that would have been commented on if he himself had, had yeah. a portrait of himself that he then talked to he's got the pincy for that he doesn't need doesn't need a portrait but i also i kind of wonder if they because you would have to imagine that Gilderoy Lockhart, as we see him in St. Mungo's, would love to have portraits of himself around. I imagine that they purposefully keep the portraits away from him because I feel like it would it would cause a lot of disturbance um, in his everyday it even se- existence. It, 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 even seemed, it even seems that just meeting people from his past in the forms of our trio have a disturbing effect upon him. Yeah that it seems he, he is agitated in a way they've not seemed normal. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, they start to trigger a bit of his past. I, not yeah. in a way that sticks, but for a moment. No, but it, yeah, it seems like it would be very difficult on our healers, to be honest with you, if he was interacting with his portraits every day. But it is an interesting, it is an interesting question, and it's a, a fascinating thing to ponder about, like, if you are just living at home and aging and you have a portrait, what does that do um as you cognitively decline etc etc we have a very interesting example of we we don't have the actual interaction but sirius's mother Mm. and what like presumably the something happens with the paintings as well that they're they're kind of at least people ask Mm -hmm. how traumatizing would it be to essentially like watch your watch yourself die Because that's probably what happened to his mm-hmm. mother in the house. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And it also might be the best possible life alert if you have more than one portrait. <laughs> like going to the hospital and being like, help, i fallen and I can't get up. Please go take care of it. That, that would be just the best insurance plan ever if you just have a portrait of yourself erected in the hospital emergency ward. Absolutely. Like, Come quick right now. <laughs> question on my end the long-term care ward what floor is that on isn't that on uh, the... i think it was four. Oh, i thought it might have been the fifth oh it might have been um so i thought they were on the way up to the fifth and they tried to get out of going into the long-term ward by saying they were going to get tea and basically got it wasn't reason i ask is it wasn't previously described and i'm guessing that's intentional they wouldn't have the arrows pointing you to the long-term ward at the front door um but I remember it being part of our prior description of what the various floors were. Yeah, I think the floors that we got described were basically like, this is where you get, this is the intake for these problems. Mm -hmm. And then there are other things that are associated with it. Because long-term ward is associated with the spell damage, which was four, I think. I think Mm. my presumption is each one has a... We're doing doing four in the British sense, I believe, because I think it's... Artifact accidents, creature-induced injuries, magical bugs, potion and plant poisoning, spell damage, visitor, tea room, and hospital shop. Yeah, so, so it might be... The fifth in the American... I don't know, Spencer. <laughs> confusing for the sake of being confusing. Why, why yes. are, these, why are these, these distinctions in the English language? Um, my, my presumption is there's, there's a long-term ward for each problem That's set. That's an interesting point. That, that, that could make a lot of sense. Um, because I think it, uh, it is mentioned that they are... He- that both of them are here because they they were part of this like spells gone wrong kind of thing. Well, and so as in life, so in art, there is a an argument within the chapter between Harry and Hermione about what floor they're on. Oh God. <laughs> Hermione thinks it's thinks it's the fourth or the fifth. Harry thinks it's the fourth. So. And we, the Americans, are just even more yeah. lost watching him. <laughs> so it's the sixth. And, but the What's real question here? is, we, the, the easy answer is a very British one. It's their tea. Because if there's tea, then it's the fifth floor. <laughs> that would answer the question. Well, wait, wait. There's probably the tea on every there's floor. There's tea everywhere. The tea repository, sure. But there's tea yes. everywhere. This is medical treatment, sir. Tea is required. <laughs> uh, I don't actually have any further questions. BJ, you got any other ones? I mean... Not that are portrait based, and most of the, <laughs> most of the other ones are going to be plot based. So uh, I I, no, I want to offer good. a little bit of an apology, BJ. Your first portrait based question was deeply annoying. Um, your second <laughs> one 
was actually thought provoking. <laughs> Look at that. I'm not. That was the not intention there. of each of them. <laughs> I appreciate. And with that. that bookend, are we ready for Spencer's favorite part of the episode? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna add to Spencer's favorite part of the episode with something that Spencer is not gonna like, which is please Why? pronounce the title of this next chapter. No, I don't even know what it is yet. But no. All right. Well, extra no now. Chapter twenty-four. <laughs> Spencer, give us your uh, best guess. Occlumency. Occlumency. That is. You're right. Yeah. Ah, we're gonna, yeah. We're gonna call it. For a yes. We I... have some interesting characters here. Uh, if. If the one not facing us was blonde, I would have said it was Lockhart. <laughs> this almost feels like somebody confronting the Mirror Universe version of themselves. Because, you know, it's a guy confronting another version that looks very similar, but with a goatee. Mm. It's an OG Klingon. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe. I don't know what to make of this. I also have no idea what this, I'm presuming, division of study of magic is. Do we Have we heard this word We before? have not, no. We're okay. going to get a brand new I mean, thing. it kind of feels like... The opposite of divination. It, it feels like the opposite of like being able to see something, like learn something or whatever. It's occluded rather than... Okay. That is interesting. Yeah, if we take that, maybe okay, uh, that's closer. I, I was thinking about like, okay, so what? Anyway. BJ, we, we described that as the opposite of divination. My hand just was trying to picture the sound of one hand clapping. It would just got <laughs> no functional way. The opposite like, of information uh, is nirvana. <laughs> All right, well, this has been fun, guys. As usual. Looking forward to next time.